Welcome to Clarity Connects, where we talk about the human essence in brands, from branding, marketing, and business. I am your host, Tusef Mirza. Fundamentally, brands are created by human beings and for human beings. So understanding human attributes and having clarity on what genuinely connects with people is crucial. On this podcast, we will cover topics ranging from personal branding, corporate branding, leadership, team building, and marketing, all from a human perspective. We will also give ourselves the space for contemplation and explore ways to gain profitability while doing good simultaneously. Thank you for joining me. And now let's explore how Clarity connects for creating true impact. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Clarity Connects podcast. Today, we are talking about the human aspects of tech in marketing and business with my special guest, David Ryan Polgar. David is the founder of All Tech is Human and an international speaker who discusses tech ethics, digital citizenship, and what it means to be human in the digital age. Welcome to the show, David. I'm really excited about it. I mean, especially when you mention being human in the digital age, I, I just think that's the uh, key part we, we need to focus on, right? Absolutely. I think this is a very timely subject to yeah. talk about. The reason why uh, we're talking about tech and ethics on this show is that considering technology is so powerful and has become central, basically, in our lives, we need to be having these conversation on how tech and AI that is used in marketing and business is impacting humanity mm -hmm. from a moral and ethical standpoint. So um, before we get too ahead of ourselves, I just wanted all our listeners um, and us to be on the same page of when we talk about ethics yes. and what does that mean? Because I think these are very grand terms mm -hmm. um, and it's important to have um, sort of like a baseline understanding. So. The definition of ethics is moral principles that govern a person's behavior or conducting of an activity. And when we talk about moral principles, um, it can be very general principles that we use in society, mm -hmm. such as tell the truth, don't lie, uh, don't cheat, uh, treat others like you want to be treated. And this is basically the foundation of ethics. So when you, um, you being a tech ethicist, yes. how do you incorporate those notions or maybe other notions of, of ethics in technology? So the reason why tech ethics right now are incredibly important is because we're really debating what is the appropriate use of technology such as uh, facial recognition, for example. The reason why this is a crucial conversation to be having in 2020 is because there appears to be a really large gap between the people who create the technology and the people who are actually being impacted by it. And the way I like to think about it is if the people who are creating the technology, if they're not aware over how we feel generally as a community about this technology, then there's a huge disconnect. The example I always like to think about is about a year and a half ago, Google uh, released uh, Google Duplex, and that is a uh, virtual agent that can make phone calls for you, right? It can make a haircut appointment, or it can make a uh, food reservation, a restaurant reservation. Uh, 
And this tool is basically to make the calls more effective to yes. save the person time. Oh, yeah, yeah. In, in, instead of me having to make a phone call, I could just have my AI assistant make a phone call, and then the person picks it up and says, hey, you know, uh, they can just kind of con convey a message just as if they're human. Well, the issue with it, and this is why uh, Google had uh, backlash right after it, it got released, is because the, the general public, they looked at this and they thought about it and they instantly said, well, wait a minute, is that a future that I want? Is it ethical to have an agent that doesn't tell you as a human that you're speaking with a virtual assistant as opposed to another human? To the average person, that meant that they would be, uh, they would be employing empathetic skills, They'd be listening for the ums and the ahs, which Google intentionally put in there, right, to make it sound more human. But that seems somewhat disrespectful. Almost tricking. Right, because it, right, it seems tricking. So going back to tech ethics and, and why it's important is because we're realizing that what we're creating today, especially around AI, it's affecting how we live, love, learn, even die. It's altering the human condition it's affecting who you, you see, the news you get, how you form a reality. We need to back up and say, that's a big deal. That is a great responsibility. And as we know, the, the Peter Parker type of principle is that you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Absolutely. We need to inject that same level of thoughtfulness around how we create technology. And the key thing I always focus on in my, in my own career is, this is a societal issue. So it, it begs to, to have the general public involved in the process. And I, and I think the reason why it's so complicated right now is because we're still viewing this in, in traditional business terms, right? We say, okay, these are you know, companies that they can kind of make their own business decisions. Whereas I think the general public's pushing back on that a little bit to say, well, maybe we need to shake it up and maybe we need to have a different conception over, over who these, these um, company leaders are and, and really who they're responsible to. I think we all love technology, right? Sure. It's, 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 it's something that we use every day that's very helpful. But I think we need to pause sometimes and say that technology is not going to solve all our problems. Right, right, it's like right. whenever there's an issue, I think we say, oh, you know, like what we can do with tech and what can mm -hmm. we do with AI? And that's not necessarily the right course of action. And really to understand, well, how is that actually impacting creating a genuine connection with somebody right, or not? Right. And I think like, you know, we're, we're all little kids inside and we get really excited by it the shiny new toy. <laughs> and the shiny new toy for the past decade has been technology yeah. and AI and how to use that. And so I think the pendulum went really far on one side mm -hmm. and really trying all these things and seeing how we can push it. And now I feel that the pendulum is coming back a little bit yeah. where now we're starting to ask ourselves these questions, which is a much more healthier place to be. We have to ask these questions because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is we're trying to uh, inject technology in our life in a way that maximizes our human existence. And we've always known that intuitively, but I think we struggle with it because as humans, we like to take the path of least resistance. I'll give you an example. Social media obviously has exploded because so much of the promise is that we can connect with more people. We can have more friends. We can be loved more. 
right? These are actually base human emotions. Of course, it's going right. to take off. You can, you can have all of these people at your fingertips, but unless you know what to do with that uh, hyperconnectedness that you have, then really it, it sets you up to say, hey, I'm, I'm not, not fulfilled. I, I have all these, these friends. Why don't I feel more connected as an individual, as a person with my community? So I think that's a very important point that stating we, even if we live in the technological age, yeah. we as human beings from a human nature standpoint have not changed. Not at all. No. In terms of our innate desire to belong and to love and to feel that we matter, that has not changed. Not at all. It's just that now we're, we're with technology, they're trying to see, well, you know, can we scale this, mm -hmm. right? Uh, a lot of this uh, scaling intimacy takes into consideration uh, what we like to call the Dunbar number, which is based on uh, British anthropologist Robin Dunbar's uh, assertion that it, the average person, right, he was look, looking at animals as well, the average person can maintain about 150 relationships. And that is just based on the idea of reciprocity. At the end of the day, relationships take time. But what a lot of emerging technology has done is it's set up almost a false promise where, where basically it's, it's pointing uh, at you and saying, hey, listen, you're connected with 2,000 people on LinkedIn. You can't know 2,000 names. You, you, don't, you certainly don't know much about these 2,000 people because it's you know, feasibly uh, impossible. But it does make the person feel, oh, I know 2,000 people. Right, you right, know, right. There's a certain like, bravado that comes with of that. Of course, yeah, because at the end of the day, right, we, all want to, we all want to know a lot of people. What a lot of emerging technology has done is it's, it's presented this, this kind of bargain where it says, hey, listen, you can automate some of these, these features. So, for example... As you see on LinkedIn, uh, when, it's, when it's somebody's job anniversary, or even if they have a new job, it will give you the option of just clicking a button to actually get a auto-populated text of, congrats on the new job, you know, this is awesome kind of stuff. What is interesting about that is, think about what we've always talked about with any relationship, or any, any actual like, intimate relationship that, that you're in. We always like to say during any type of gift exchange, it's the thought that counts. And let's back up. Why, why do we say that, right? It's the thought that counts. Because at the end of the day, it's not necessarily just the, the action. It's the reason behind the action. It's the, the time and emotional energy that you put into something. Right? Not, just, so, not just pressing a not button. Just, not just pressing a button. So like if somebody knitted you a sweater, you say, my God, like that's, that's amazing. It doesn't matter that the sweater's ugly, right? It... It matters that the person cares about you. So what a lot of social media has done is it's presented you with an easier option to say, well, I know you don't have time to care about 2,000 people, but here's what I'm going to offer you. I'm going to offer you the ability so it looks like you care about 2,000 people because if you click this little button, the other person is going to get this, get this message as if you wrote this message, as if you... More importantly, as if you spent time thinking about them. That's the big question we're, we're headed with with a lot of uh, emerging technology is how much do we automate versus how much are we just focused on being more efficient? There's 
fascinating areas with this. So what's interesting is the the time factor keeps coming up yes. in a lot of the conversation, We're all low which on time. I think, yeah, which we don't recognize until we start looking behind the curtain yes. of the reason behind it. So I really like the example you gave with LinkedIn because I think we all have experienced that. Mm-hmm. And when I receive from somebody that I don't know telling me a happy work anniversary, <laughs> I mean, that doesn't, not only does it not mean anything, but I realize that that person actually has a negative connotation for me You're because right. they just don't even know me and they're just going to press a button to try to influence me to think that they're important. And that doesn't work. So the way, but you know, I'm on LinkedIn as well. It's, it's lazy communication at, at the end of the day. And, and I think if you're aware enough as you are, as, as I am, it's frankly uh, a negative as opposed to a positive. If it is my work anniversary mm-hmm. and you're just pressing a button and there's 10 other people who press the mm-hmm. same button, so now I have the same exact message <laughs> from all of you. You're right. Uh, so that's the other thing. And, and for me, when you, know, when you have the notifications – on my feed that some of the people I know, it's their work anniversary or their birthday, the way that I look at it, for me, it's a reminder. Yes. It's a reminder. And then it is up to me, depending on whether that person is somebody that I am connected with, that I want to continue having a a strong connection with, um, then I will write, but I will write a specific note to them relating to our relationship. So I think the reminder for me is an interesting tool, but not, I've never pressed that button. Like I am so (laughs) anti-pressing the button because I know what it means underlying is, oh, you know, this is easy, so I'm just going to do it. So is it really meaningful? What I think throws us off as communicators is we just are, are, are taking it as if there's no... Uh, there's no curation of about how we're, we're speaking, right? So, for example, LinkedIn has a very strong business incentive to promote us to have um, sometimes thoughtless communication because if their end goal is to ha- spend more time on the platform so m- more ads are seen by the users, then that is actually not an interest of me as a communicator who is using communication to deepen relationships, to understand people, to form authentic bonds, right? My interest is authentic bonds. Their interest uh, as a platform is send out more content, spend more time. Everything right now is being mediated through, uh, through kind of an advertising-based platform. And I think that's kind of what we're struggling with because not that we always need to be skeptical, but we, we do need to be aware about how we're being, how we're being influenced. Mm-hmm. I like the way that you compared the objective of the business versus the objective of the person who is using that business. I think that now businesses are trying to recognize that more. And this is why brand purpose is becoming more in the forefront now, because they understand that, you know, we are, as consumers, we have a a BS radar system that's much more sophisticated than before. And we will call businesses out if they're not in alignment with what we want. And and we will go away and we'll use social media, the exact form that they've <laughs> created, to, uh, to raise the issues. So I think that there is that level of 
of recognizing now that purpose is becoming more important for a business to thrive. I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but I am seeing this this way a little more. Yes. One thing I wanted to talk about as well is in the same vein that we're saying that a bot is now giving you different iterations of saying the same message because yeah. it's trying to be more human. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, when we had the conversation last <laughs> time, me and David, we were talking that us as humans now have a tendency to be a little bit more short I in the way so. yeah. we um, use messaging and, and digital. And it's an interesting paradox that we're seeing now. So much of our attention especially within tech, is to focus on humanizing our technology. The flip side is, is also true, whereas we are becoming botified as, as humans. Give you a, That's scary, but you know, keep going. Well, no, but it's true in the sense that uh, because we're, we're filtering so much of our communication and because we're being nudged, it moves away from our own conception of freedom of mind and, and volition. Give you a, a, a quick example. Let's imagine how uh, auto text works. So I want to tell somebody, have a great day. You know, I started typing have, and then it, it allows me to, to auto kind of auto complete, right? Uh, and, and I can just press a button and then it says, have a great day. Maybe even with an exclamation point, right? Well, the reason why that's important is because what if I would have said something different? What if I would have said, have a terrific day? So what uh, people are concerned about, myself included, is that once we start learning patterns and then applying that to people as constant suggestions, what it would do is it would start lowering our total amount of uh, you know, versatility, our total amount of variation. I think that when we are, even with Gmail and Compose, mm -hmm. I just want to take like that really simple example. Sure. When that comes up, and then it self-populates for the rest of your sentence, I think that you, each individual is now forced to become self-aware. Yeah. If you are not self-aware, then you're going to say, okay, yeah, that sounds, that, that's probably what I would have written. Mm -hmm. um, but most of the time, it's, it's not. And I'm, I'm a big observer. I always observe the technology that I see and, and how it makes me feel. And, and it's easy because of the time thing. But at the same time, it's not necessarily reflecting to Seth, mm -hmm. my personality and how I want to be perceived. And so we could become much more like the same uh, um, uh, same vein of, of, of people. And I think I see that as well through Netflix, for example, where Netflix will give me, and we all, we, we've all experienced this, Netflix will give me more of what I like. Right. But what happens is that because I'm seeing more of what I like all the time, I'm actually not expanding my horizons to looking at different things that I might like. Exactly. And so when you see on the flip side and what's happening in society is people want to be more inclusive. Right. People want to have more diversity, not just of ethnicity, but of thought. But what we're seeing in technology is actually the opposite, where we're just being fed more of the same thing over and over. So our diversity is actually decreasing in technology. While Certainly. we're trying to uplift the uh, natural world um, of, of interacting with people, um, 
in the opposite direction. So there is a dichotomy there. Something I always like to think about is uh, I'm still a dead tree subscriber to the New York Times. And a lot of people, uh, frankly, there have been a lot of interesting conversations. They say, wait a minute, somebody still has to print newspaper? But I'll tell you why. Here's my defense, (laughs) is that I am constantly challenged by new ideas, right? So for example, if I already have the paper, and then in the art section, there's an article about, let's say, uh, the opera or the ballet. This is something that if a marketer was looking at my web searches, was looking at the sites I visit and the words that I use, they would safely assume, correctly so, that, that I know nothing about opera and, and the ballet. So therefore, they would never, a marketer would never feed me articles about the ballet or, or the opera. But now that I have this physical newspaper and I see an article, I said, well, I've already paid for the paper. And well, wait a minute, I've got this article here. Let me, let me check it out. And I, and I read it. I think that's important as, as a human. That, that speaks more to my values because I don't always want to be fed what I've already done because marketers are so far off on this idea because it, on, on first glance, makes a lot of sense. But then when you interrogate that, you say, well, wait a minute. Then you're actually in some weird loop where you're basing who you are on a fixed period of time and then you're self-reinforcing that, that very loop as opposed to thinking, don't humans... Grow. grow? Don't we grow? And the very idea of... And also curiosity. Right, curiosity, right? The very idea of feeding somebody something that they prefer is a base assumption that they'll never prefer something that they haven't preferred in the past, which is uh, completely not the future that, that I want. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why people, people push back. I think it's important and something that we don't often talk about is the future with technology is not inevitable, right? If I had listened to technologists right now, I would have, uh, I would have, uh, you know, come to this location on my uh, on my Segway that I <laughs> that I printed from my uh, 3D printer that I would have bought on Bitcoin, and I'd be wearing my Google Glass to augment, uh, you know, my, my my trip over here. But guess what? None of that happened. So I got to tell you. A lot of times what we think is the future or what will be the future, that usually has a strong business incentive, right? At the end of the day, people are trying to sell something to to us uh, oftentimes. So we as humans are the ones who are deciding what it's going to look like in this country in 2025. You know, we're raising a lot of really important areas of really of our human experience, right? Um, and our human growth and the way that we feel alive and the way that we walk into this world and marvel at things. Do you feel that this is important enough for for laws to be in, in place? I think that people don't know necessarily know how to maybe um, start putting in those laws, but <laughs> right. can you talk a little bit about how we could create guardrails, basically? Oh, definitely, definitely. I think we we do ourselves a disservice when we say, well, who is responsible, right? Is it the person, right, for tech use? Is it the person? Is it is it the, the company? Or maybe it's the government. Wait a minute. There are senators. They, they seem ill-equipped. 
But really, it's all of all of the above, right? So for something like driving, we have all of those parties, all of those stakeholder groups involved in the process. We have safe driving. We have we have laws around safety of, of cars. We have cops on the road who pull people over for for not following the the rules that we agreed upon. You're going to see the same thing happen in tech, where you, you have this interplay between business, uh, government, and and people. So. Like the different examples you've said in the past, it's really about first starting with the conversations yes. about experiencing ourselves to become self-aware, mm -hmm. and that's where, where it starts. So we're at the beginning stages yes, of that. Yes, we are. We are. So um, I'm so appreciative that we were able to have this conversation in a much deeper way because I think we talk about technology, we talk about AI. But it's so important to understand that it's really about our, our human nature it is. And, and for our own growth. I wanted to share this quote that I love from Jared Leonard. He wrote the book Technology Versus Humanity. And he said, we should not mend, fix, upgrade, or even eradicate what makes us human. Rather, we should design technology to know and respect these differences and protect them. Yes. And I think that at the end of the day, that's the good news is, is no matter what happens, we will stay h human. And as being human, we will stay emotional human beings. Right. And that might be our saving grace, because no matter what type of AI you have, if I don't have that emotional connection, it's just not going to work. Mm -hmm. And we're going to feel that something is off. So that is sort of like a way that we can always go back to as our guiding light to make sure, you know, is it honoring who I am? Is right. it respecting me? And is it making me flourish? The way that I like to end all of my episodes, since it's called the Clarity Connects mm -hmm. podcast, is that I ask my guests to share a clarity moment. And that can be um, either personal or professional or it could be something that we talked about. Um, so please, David, could you share with us a clarity moment? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I've had a few uh, over the years that I think solidified what uh, I'm trying to do with uh, aligning our creation of technology uh, with our human values. And then one, I, I, I think in particular, uh, one was where I forgot my phone years ago uh, in jury duty and uh, even though I didn't have my phone uh, my, <laughs> I, I kept on reaching into my pocket to pull out my buzzing phone and that was a, a clarity moment on, 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 on my uh, behalf because I said my god like if this phone is altering me at such a deep level that I'm taking it to uh, to being like a, an additional limb because we think of a phantom limb, and they call this right uh, phantom rings. Then that's that's important. That's an area that that we need to explore deeper. Thank you so much for sharing Thank you, that. Seth. And um, how can uh, people get to know more about you? Where sure. Are you on the yeah, web? yeah. I'm I'm all over the the interwebs. Uh, you can. Connect with me and, and do do connect uh, at uh, at Tech Ethicist on 
Twitter and other other platforms, and then also you know, <laughs> reach out on LinkedIn, and I promise, I will not send you a uh, auto. Yes, auto please, fill. no auto message. No, I will not. And thank you all so much for for listening this very important episode, and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. À bientôt. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely, thank you.